The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. You went crazy. You got that right. You be sweet to him, especially your wife. My husband wasn't sweet to me. Look how I turned out. You robbed the store? Come ah, on, the goddamn store! Something's like crossed over in me. I can't go back. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I am Tobin Addington, and I am so excited to do this movie today. I've been looking forward to this since we very first came up with this concept, and I am so thrilled to get to talk about Thelma and Louise with you. I am excited to talk about it with you as well. And you know who is the most excited? <laughs> I do, but tell our tell our listeners. Mama Lindsay. <laughs> our mother is very jazzed. I asked her if she wanted to come do a little cameo, um, and she declined. <laughs> And honestly, that's one of the reasons that we're that we've waited till after the year mark is I thought maybe we could convince her after mm. dad was on and people were on that maybe she could come on for this episode. But I, I just I don't know that it's her thing, but we know that she's listening and we love you. And I'm so excited to talk about this movie that will, that she loves so much. Aizen, do you remember the first time that you saw Thelma and Louise? No. <laughs> Short answer is no. Um, it's one that I... In because of my tender young age, I I feel like has just always been there. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it coming out. Um, I I remember it um, being rented a, a number of times. Um, mm-hmm. Mama always did my hair on Sundays, as you may recall. <laughs> yes. I, listeners, I had very very long hair, and um, my mom did amazing intricate braids. Um, I'm sure in some sort of Twitter blackmail, Tobin will put a picture up. Of, oh, I got pictures. <laughs> of me as a child with my intricate braids. Um, but uh, so Sunday evenings were spent doing that. And so I watched the first part of a lot of movies while getting my hair done. Um, I don't know that this was one because it's, it is uh, more violent than would have mm-hmm. been acceptable, but mom was more of a throw a blanket over your head for the bad parts rather than not watch it at all. I'm sure <laughs> yes. she would love me to, to say. <laughs> yes. Um, so I remember, I remember pieces of it very well. I think it was also an ironing movie for her. Yeah. She would watch sure. movies ironing. And then of course, during the era of making homemade lollipops of homemade suckers, I'm sure it was in mm-hmm. rotation uh, with VHSs at that time. So um, there were, there are a couple of scenes burned into my brain so it's for, for as far as I can remember. And then as we get into it, um, we can talk about there are a couple of things that I remembered wrong. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Um, what about you? Do you remember seeing it for the first time? What I remember is the, the first time I saw any of this movie was m- mom was watching it on a VHS at our house pretty soon after it came out because I was – 
yeah, pretty soon after it came out. It came out in 1991, so sometime soon after that. And I remember her showing me or me walking into the room as the last scene was happening. Mm. So the first thing of this movie that I saw was the last scene. Um, and so it, it's never been a surprise spoiler to me. Spoiler that alert. That, yeah, total spoiler alert. But even just seeing that scene, I remember thinking <laughs> – because the, the film freeze frames – on their car. And I remember thinking, well, did they make it? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer of course is yes. Right. Right. That's certainly mom's answer. Um, So, so anyway, I, that was my first memory. And then I know that I saw it with her at least one other time. Cause I remember watching it um, before I went to grad school. It was on a list of movies that we should see before school. There were a bunch of movies on the list. And the summer before I went to film school, I uh, took grad school. I watched a bunch of them and she watched a few of them with me. And I remember we watched all the president's men and cause she remembered the Nixon era, mm-hmm. um, which was cool. And then, and, and, and this movie because she loved it so much. Um, and then I, and then I watched it, but I guess I'd seen it also in college. I watched this movie a lot. And then the other story, if I can sidebar for a minute, please about my history is this movie is that I was teaching a, uh, history of film class in um, uh, just uh, in the semester of the of the 2016 presidential election, and um, I had a different movie scheduled for I guess I'd called it the 1980s um, sort of blockbuster era, uh, and I forget what the movie was, but I had another movie scheduled to watch, and it, this was our first class back after the election, and I was fairly rattled um, as a person. And, um, and I, uh, I think you and I talked about this at the time I decided to show this movie instead and I had some different reactions to it then, as opposed to the way I had remembered it, the three or four or five mm. other times I had seen it, that in the aftermath of, of that election in particular, uh, and the, it affected me in a much, much deeper way. And we had a, of one of the best discussions I've ever had in a college class was with the students I had that semester talking about Thelma and Louise in, you know, um, November of, of that year. Um, so yeah, on that downer note, <laughs> um, uh, this is uh, yeah, this is this is um, I have I have a long I feel like I have a long history with this movie. Nice. Um, speaking of history, why don't you roll into a couple a couple of bits for our listeners? All right, two little two little bits of film history um, that I got from an article, a really good Vanity Fair article um, called The Ride of a Lifetime, which you can find online uh, through Vanity Fair, which is sort of a oral history of the making of the movie, um, a reported oral history. So the first is that uh, Callie Curry, who we'll talk a lot about in the course of the podcast, uh, who was the writer of this movie. This was her first script. She was a 30-year-old music video line producer. So she was sort of in charge of assembling all the um, uh, equipment and you know making sure they were coming in on budget and all that kind of stuff, hiring the crew to make music videos. Uh, when she was driving home to Santa Monica one night and her sort of brain, she says her brain was kind of turned off and the whole, the idea for the movie of, you know, Two women, um, you know, sort of wronged by one of them wronged by a man go on a crime spree and that that just popped into her head. And she she said she sort of could see the whole arc of the movie and it all kind of came, you know, a bolt of lightning. Uh, She loosely based I thought you and I would appreciate this and mom would appreciate this, too. She loosely based the characters on herself and her friend Pam Tillis, the country music singer um, who she knew from her Nashville days. And um, uh, the Pam, t- Pam in the article, Pam Tillis talks about she 
that she was quote unquote the airhead and that um, <laughs> Callie Curry was the sort of, you know, uh, was the, the Susan Sarandon character was sort of, um, you know, uh, acid tongued and wise beyond her years. And uh, so anyway, it's kind of fun that, to, to think about that, um, that, that sort of uh, uh, history and that, that connection. The one other thing, if I could add a, a third one real quick, is that there course. were a lot of actors who were, um, who, who, got to who wanted to be in this movie who were sort of offered parts or attached to different at different places and the first two big stars who were attached were Jodie Foster and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So a um angular blondes rather than Mm-hmm. Right. Rather right. than wide-eyed redheads. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Yes. Oh uh, boy. Um, I have a um, historical question for you if I may. Yes. So mm. Uh, understanding that this was early in, or if not kind of the beginning of Callie Curry's career in this way. Yeah, for sure. Where does it settle in Ridley Scott's career as a directed by this movie is directed by Ridley Scott. So where, where was he in it? Because if, if the writer is, is young and a woman in 1991 mm-hmm. uh, and you say there were people had great interest in it. I'm, I'm curious how, how that interest was garnered. That might be two questions. Yeah, no, this is, this is great. So um, Ridley Scott, uh, we, so no, this is great. Um, Ridley Scott was known as a, a very actiony, you know, masculine director, right? They, uh, uh, known for making action movies, known for making these big sci-fi movies. And um, there was a lot of surprise uh, on Callie Curry's part and a lot of people's part when he wanted to make this movie. And some trepidation too about what what is this dude, this dude's dude going to do to this project? The One of the things that um, tipped the scale was that he had directed Alien in 1979 Starring Sigourney Weaver, not Alien, so we don't have to worry about about rehashing that at all. But Alien, a movie that had kind of a um, uh, surprise female protagonist. It, you know, she wasn't top build in the cast. She wasn't the biggest star in the movie, but she emerges as the only survivor and the hero of the of the movie. Spoiler alert for Alien. Uh, and so, and and so he had some experience in in a particular kind of. Um, uh, f- you know, female heroine in a in a movie that involves um, you know, chases and guns and 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 you know, sort of running for your life. Um, so he, and that was only a few years. That's what seventy nine. So that's eleven, twelve years before this movie. So it comes after he's done that and Blade Runner. Um, and right before he goes, oh, he makes White Squall not too long after uh, after this. Oh, speaking of the nineties, <laughs> yes, yes, uh, and the GI Jane, and then Gladiator. So that's gotcha. when he ends up in sort of Oscar, Oscar more in Oscar land there. Um, so you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a Black Rain was actually his feature before before uh, this movie, which um, is a you know is a Michael Douglas, Andy Garcia um, like motorcycle cop crime thriller thing. So it's odd. It's an odd, you're totally right. It's an odd sort of place in a, it's an odd director in some ways to be on this movie and, and a, a place in, in his career where he could get things made, but hadn't yet sort of achieved uh, the sort of like critical recognition. Anyway, it was, it, it was, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but, uh, I ran, I could ramble about yeah, no, this guy no, for a while. It does. And I, um, 
<laughs> because I'm about to start talking about the women and want to focus on them a lot, I, I do yeah. want to say I think it's a beautifully directed film. Mm-hmm. And and there mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. particular scenes we can get into that I I was r- really impressed with the filmmaking of it. And um, mm-hmm. because this has been just in the ether for me forever, I, I hadn't really put it together that it was Ridley Scott. And I never thought about it as mm-hmm. a, as an okay i thought about it as an important film but not because of the filmmaking mm-hmm. yeah sure previously so i i um turned out i did paid attention more to that this time <laughs> um and so i yeah i think that there are um i think uh, he uh, kind of i don't know um you know laid maybe laid the groundwork for for them to do some you know beautiful beautiful things in mm-hmm. in this and you know it it is actiony um so i think it's it's great that he had that background coming in yeah. so that you can do all the car and truck stuff and you can make things blow up and um you know i mean i that that yeah. that i that yeah that has to be believable and right like, right 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 yeah so yeah. Um, it's what's interesting interesting is that so that in their in their nervousness about his coming on to be the director of this movie the Callie Curry talks in this article about being a little worried that like oh he's you know, being prepared for him to want to sort of amp up the action and downplay the sort of character stuff. And he, he, she has the quotes where she talks about, he kept saying, no, this, the comedy in here is necessary. <laughs> like the humor and the humanity of these, right. of these characters is completely necessary. And that's something that for me, this watching really stood out mm-hmm. in ways that I'm, I'm excited to talk about. Yeah. I'm, um, I, I'm glad that he, he gets it and he got it so that we could have it. Um, I re- just real quick want to say it, it, I don't think it's that two women star in it that make it a feminist film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's c- contributions of everyone and, and what, um, c- you know, how the characters are treated in their universe a little bit. Anyway, that's all. I like that. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. I so speaking of the ladies in this universe. Can you tell us some of the ladies in charge, women involved in major roles in Thelma and Louise? I would love to. Writer Callie Curry. Producers, Mimi Polk-Gitlin and Callie Curry. Actors, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. And number one fan, Lindsay Addington. <laughs> Love it. Okay, what's the movie about for people who haven't seen it? Everybody's seen Everybody's this movie. Seen. Well, that's, I don't think that's true. Um, I think uh, because we, well, you work with a particular set of college students who are um, more likely to have seen it probably, but we both work with young, young people. Um, true, and it's true. sometimes amazing to me what they, what they don't know, what they're not aware of. How about that? They're wise. Yeah, yeah. They know many, many things that I don't, but um, what they're not aware of. So in case someone's listening and hasn't gotten the chance to embrace this classic, What's it about? Thelma and Louise, played by Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon, respectively, head off on a girls' weekend fishing trip that takes a fateful turn when Thelma is assaulted outside a bar and Louise shoots and kills the assailant. Now on the run from the law and their partners, the two women flee to Mexico. On the way, they shoot up a misogynist truck driver's gasoline tanker. Thelma has a one-night stand with a very young and hunky Brad Pitt. 
and come into their own as women, friends, and characters all before they make a final choice to ride off into the sunset together rather than go back to the world they've left behind. Oh, that's lovely. I got a little chill. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because the movie's so good. And it wasn't from Hunky Hunky Brad Pitt. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's just so much. There's so much here. Um let me just give you a couple headlines of things I'd like to talk about. Um, yeah, I would good. like to talk about the men in this movie and, and how I sort of rank them in their terribleness <laughs> or not. Right. And, um, and, and I think that some of them are allowed to have some complexity as well, which I appreciated. Um, certainly Harlan who assaults uh, Gina Davis is just terrible. Um, yeah. But yeah. there are, you know, there are others who have dimension and, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that. So it's not just so for the folks who are going to make the argument that it's just a man hating revenge, whatever, like if you really watch it, there's there's a lot of complexity there. Um, I do want to talk about uh, victim blaming and, um, you know, society and what has changed and what hasn't. Mm. Um, that reminds me, I didn't know if we wanted any sort of content advisory or not. Um I think maybe at the end, can I give just the the one eight hundred number if yeah, folks have of feelings? Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, I want, and then I all want, but I, yeah, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about how they grow and change, um, mm-hmm. not only because of the trauma, but because mm-hmm. of the um, I think the larger journey and the there. I don't know. There's some kind of sense of selves. It change mm-hmm. when there's nothing of their old lives left. I don't know. So many things. So yeah, those are headlines. And they, I don't know where you want to go. And that they and that they do it together. Mm-hmm. Like there's something that's so they sort of evolve in and around one another. And there's nothing simple about the evolution. You know about you know for me anyway in their characters. Like but that that's they like intertwine in, in sort of interesting ways. And yeah, I, my top lines for this movie are that it was I, I've. I guess that you people could because the cultural impact of this movie I think outweighs the people have, having actually seen it like they may know know about Agreed. it have assumptions about it mm-hmm. that is maybe anybody who thinks that this is some kind of man hating revenge movie has not watched right. it um you know if if you want that go watch revenge right. like there are movies that will that will give you that the satisfaction of that if that's what you're after this is a for me anyway, a totally different kind of satisfaction. I love this movie Mm -hmm. so, 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 so deeply and find new things to sort of appreciate about it. Every time I, every time that I see it. And I think that the, that what you said is so nice that, that, that the, it has so much to do with the way the characters have evolved by the end of the movie and, and what they find in each other and themselves in, in not in any, not in, in cheap ways of, you know, ex- exploitative ways, you know, mm-hmm. about you could do this the good version of this movie where they fall in love with each other right. or like all kinds of stuff that would, that would, but this is not, this is not, the movie's not about mm-hmm. that. And I think it's stronger for it. Yeah. I think, and I, yes, I think strength is a, is a great word. I, Susan Sarandon from the beginning is mm. just a force and it, it makes sense to me that, um, that Thelma and Louise are friends that, you know, Louise is in charge at the beginning yes, um, yeah. and, and Thelma seems to be used to having someone in charge 
I, I don't mm-hmm. think she needs someone in charge. I, th- I think that's that's her status quo. And so it's right, right. one or the other. It's comfortable for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I can imagine that, that Daryl speaks of Louise in the kind of same way that Louise speaks of Daryl, that she <laughs> has these <laughs> yes, yes, yes. two different worlds and they um, don't really necessarily get along and, and all that. But, um, but yeah, she's just so, so strong. And from the moment that, you know, she shoots Harlan in the parking lot. Then mm-hmm. I feel like she sees the end. I mean, she, she yes, knows and she sure. does everything in her, in her power and, and figures out plans and, you know, tries to get them out of it in, in various ways. Um, but she, you know, she knows this is, that there's just not going back. And, and, and I, I like that you mentioned that, you know, they're doing it together. I also love that at multiple points, they have that discussion that mm-hmm. you can, you can leave if you want, or we can, we can split up now, mm-hmm. but that they decide that together. So it's not even that just that they are together. If, if they had decided to part ways and, and, you know, do something different that would have been fine too it's that it's it's a right. very if you will affirmative consent uh the whole time <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah it's this it is as powerful and it's so 90s yeah it's yeah so in like the best 90s, way yeah, it's yeah. sweaty <laughs> and dusty and mm-hmm. nipply it's so 90s <laughs> i love it yeah. um <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of things. Uh, but this, but however, this movie is beloved, so I don't know that we need to kind of go through it necessarily as mm-hmm. much as just talk about um, about high points or yeah, low points and like or, why it's yeah, why it's yeah. on our list. Um, so yeah. a couple of things because um, we've already mentioned the the shooting and the the assault. Um, mm-hmm. That was one of the things I remembered wrong. So oh, okay, I remembered the sex scene with Brad Pitt being. Super, super explicit. Mm, okay. And it mm-hmm. kind of is, but yeah. I mean, it is, but it also yeah. was less than I thought. Like I thought they were going to cut back like two more times. Um, uh-huh. And whereas I remembered the assault as being much, um, much more not imagined as if it didn't Elided. happen, but yeah. but I didn't I didn't remember it being that that explicit and that was super troubling. Um, yeah, yeah. And it could be that I was just because I was a child the first few times I watched it. It could just <laughs> be that I was sent to go do something else, so that I heard it but I didn't see it. Um, so that that mm-hmm. could be right, right. just me that way. Maybe the blanket was over. Maybe your head. Maybe the blanket was over my hand. Um, but I, I think what's so, so interesting. So going into this, I was a little bit nervous, no, knowing that there was an assault, and that's what that the the catalyst for for their being on what, the run, yeah, anyway. whatever else happens. Um, yeah, yeah. I was nervous about how because I didn't remember specifically kind of how they, as two characters, navigated that, mm-hmm. and so um, I. It's so interesting to me that, okay, so Louise stumbles upon it. So she was there and, you know, she was a witness. Right. 
And so, okay, (laughs) which is often not the case, right? There's often not someone right there. Um, So it's not even that Gina Davis has to tell her what happened. She was there. She saw what happened. Um, Her reaction has a lot to do with what happened, but also a lot to do with her. Um, Because like, like one of them says later in the film, they, I think like, like Louise said, we were, we could have gotten away. That yeah. um, she sort of makes that um, of a choice to avenge both of their assaults in that mm-hmm, moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, of course, prickled at the kind of a little, uh, not a little, at the way that Susan Sarandon reacts to Gina Davis in a couple of times when they're talking about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it, but what's, what's so interesting and I think deeper than it could have been was that I would say the things she said, some of them were victim blaming, but in the context of society, right? So she was sort of, (laughs) so please no one quote me on this. She was (laughs) victim blaming from a devil's advocate perspective, Oh, interesting. Uh And I think based on her own experience and then just her, she is as a character wise and thoughtful and and has been around and has seen people. And, you know, I mean, she just kind of knows that, yeah, what, what people are going to, what people saw was you dancing with him. She doesn't say that's your fault and you shouldn't have done that. You know, she doesn't, she is not doing that, but she's laying it out the way that, the people we're going to right. say, right, this is the right, why we can't just turn ourselves in. We can't just go to the right. cops because right. this is what everyone will yes. say. The, and so what I very much loved then just to be voiced was I loved the waitress vouching for them. Um, some mm-hmm. of it erroneously, mm-hmm. like they wouldn't do that. But also, right. like, I'm surprised it wasn't his wife. I'm surprised it wasn't any yeah, of yeah. us. Like, this is a, this is it. <laughs> of course, he was shot in the parking lot of this bar. Um, right. So right. I, I I loved that that was able to be voiced. And so early that kind of that's mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. first versions of the story that the film gives us is the waitress's perspective right. on it. So that to me balanced it out because I, um, I was watching it and I was nervous, but I was also in my head thinking about other episodes and, and that I'm not, (laughs) I'm actively not trying to make it another movie, you know, because yes, of of course they should call an advocate and <laughs> go find support and you right. know all these things but in 1991 yes, but also in- 1991 and so but, but speaking of the date that's what really bothers yeah. me is the kind of shit that louise it you know interprets that how society is going to see it is very much the same right 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 so exactly right. that disappointed me for where we haven't come with things um, yeah. but the, I was, I relaxed a little bit one, just cause I knew that was, that was going to be part of the, the first section of the movie. So I relaxed when, when, um, we had moved past it, um, visually at least, but mm-hmm. I also relaxed a little bit when I understood Louise's perspective and that I do think she was doing the best she could. I do think that she supported her friend in many ways. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But that was also, she was in a very precarious position as the person who pulled the trigger um, in this. Yeah. In this crisis. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that I noticed this time through is how much care the film took for them at the different points in the journey to absorb emotionally, to process what was going on with them, even if they're not doing it like verbally in words to one another. But as they're, as they're, and and that's how I took some of that from um, Louise's point of view is that she's, she's just killed a man and is trying to, you know, process what to do next and how are people going to see this? You know, she's, she is um, at a real heightened Mm -hmm. state at that moment. And, and, you know, is, you know, is trying to, is thinking as clearly as she can, but is also sort of trying to deal with what's gone on. The, it's so interesting that you talking about how things that, that feel like they could be today as much as 1991, like there there has not Mm -hmm. been a lot of progress in some of these areas or that there's not been as much progress as maybe we would like. That was very much my experience when I showed it to that Mm. class um, after the election is how much of it did not feel dated. Like I was expecting the movie to feel more dated than it did. And instead it felt very, very present. I mean, costumes, music, you know, as you say, the, 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 Payphones, dust, you know, um, uh, hairstyles, like that stuff does feel of the period, but that's about right. it. And um, the other thing that jumped out most to me, uh, or that jumped out a lot to me, is that in my memory, when I when I sat down to turn that movie on in that class, the um, Christopher McDonald character, um, uh, Thelma's husband, what's his name? Daryl. Yeah. Is that Daryl? No. Yeah. Daryl, I remember it being playing as a um, – uh, like a caricature, like a joke, mm. like a, Oh, like we're past this. Like, this is a caricature of what, uh, of what, uh, you know, abusive, um, a partner is. And then watching with that class, I no, this is like, there's this, there's, this is not a right. caricature. This is, this is just true. And, um, that was a real, um, it may be to my shame. That was a lot. That was like cold water. Mm. I was like, wow, this is, this is, I, I had not seen it with this, I had made other assumptions about where we were as a society. Right. Yeah. This is real uh, that, life. That 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 this is that this is now giving the lie to that, and um, that's made it even more powerful. Yeah. And it was a big part of our discussion after the movie. Well, and, and what I, my difference, Daryl, old to new, uh, or in my watching at least, um, I I also appreciate that what we see of him is much more uh, emotional and psychological abuse. Then, mm-hmm. Not that mm-hmm. I appreciate emotional psychological abuse, but um, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate enough. when patterns of abuse are portrayed uh, more broadly than focusing mm-hmm. only on the physical aspect. I think we we see enough to know that that is likely a component at some point in their lives, but that yeah. the control and the manipulation and the belittling and um, and all all that is is equally damaging. Um, in other ways and is, is often a part of kind of that larger um, cycle of abuse. And so I'm not saying yeah. I was glad to see it, but, um, but what, what a <laughs> more a nuanced portrayal, right. if you can have a nuanced caricature, cause he is like a, a full on doofus, right? Yes. Yes, um, totally. Totally. Who he reminded me of so much uh, was the Jeremy Sisto character in Waitress. 
That I didn't remember. <laughs> yes, but they are yes. so similar, and they're oh, totally just same cloth. You know, marinating in their insecurities. Yes, um, that I yes. and it's, everything is everyone else's fault, which is a red flag um, in relationships. Right. Uh, just put that out there. Um, yeah, Bl- blame shifting is yeah. a uh, yeah. Uh, so that was I, yeah. and and that you know even that was what ten years ago. Um, but the time between those two is, is a long time as well. So I don't know, perhaps I'll we'll yeah. read at some point that Jeremy Sisto used Daryl as inspiration to play that <laughs> role. Um, and, and then there's, so that's one partner. And then there's Jimmy who mm. eyelashes for days. Can I just say, <laughs> yes. I'm not, a, I'm not a, yes. I'm not a Quentin Tarantino, uh, aficionado. Uh, I think uh-huh. that's probably clear based on my tolerance for blood and violence. (laughs) The most I've ever watched is stuff that we've watched together in the nineties. So um, I knew I recognized Uh him, uh but I don't recognize his, you know, kind of full catalog that way. But I, early on, it was like, Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy's going to be helpful to us. Jimmy seems like a good guy. And Mm -hmm. then he has an outburst in a hotel room. That's violent, Mm -hmm. not at Louise, but violent. And then is, from my perspective, using a proposal to mitigate the the violence a little bit. And that mm-hmm. very, like, yeah, we're watching sure. the cycle go around. Um, right, so that, that's, right. you know, he does, he, he, in moments, he is so helpful to them. <laughs> and there is, a, you know, there is affection there. But he's not a mm-hmm. great guy either. <laughs> Right, right. How is Harvey Keitel like the best guy? (laughs) Which is, I think, so interesting that in this, in this, uh, for this very masculine Mm -hmm. filmmaker, working with this script by and about these these particular women characters also ends up being a kind of dissection of contemporary masculinity in its various performed and and femininity too i mean the, the, you know but but in specifically with these you get the various sort of as you say shades mm-hmm. of awful <laughs> that these that these guys represent and 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 that harvey Keitel that you would then cast harvey Keitel as the sympathetic detective right. who can who begins to see yeah like, put it all together, together in a way. And, and that was something i remembered i remembered mm-hmm. so vividly his conversation with brad pitt in the interrogation and so I was waiting for that to come and and wanting to see mm. if that was as I remembered or not. And mm. upon this viewing, I sort of saw two paths. So he, he, they get Brad Pitt robs them after the one night stand and then um, it gets caught. And so he's in the police station and Harvey Keitel excuses Stephen Tobolowsky, who, you know, isn't everything. So, of course, mm-hmm. he's in this movie. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, basically says if, if something bad happens, it's on you and I'm going to punish you because they had a shot and you messed that up because you're stupid. (laughs) Um, and so I, I sort of, as that happened, I had two paths and one was this, he's a, he's a, you know, hard boiled detective. He knows how to play people and he Mm -hmm. sees whatever glimmer of, empathy Brad Pitt has not having known 
what was wrong with these ladies or you know what was wrong in their lives yeah. what was going on that yeah. he's going to yeah. use that to guilt him into assisting in some way so that he can apprehend the criminal the other criminals mm-hmm. or i had the mm-hmm. other path of this is him still he has this guy in custody he's got one crime dealt with but he very sincerely means it that that you know he's put it together he's met daryl he knows that situation he knows who jimmy is um and and sees that something went terribly wrong and they could have you know kind of everyone could have walked away but now we can't because you you messed up this part of the puzzle and i choose to go that direction just for my own (laughs) yes yes Whatever. Um, and, and then later, you know, he, he's uh, the conversations with him and Louise. Um, you know, they uh, yeah. he, he gets I love it. that scene. He gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. And, and I think that that's you talk about nuance that he's a you know, he has in, in a few sort of key scenes. He has this little journey mm-hmm. to go on, um, which is just, that's just yeah. writing that she just, you know, she's written, she's written all these great, great characters who, and allowed them to sort of, you know, grow and evolve, and, but also sort of signify mm-hmm. these things that are going on and, you know, and that are still going on today. And I, I just think it's, it's such, such, such. Yeah, smart he writing. absolutely didn't need to be a compelling character. Right. But, right. But he was, and, and, and yet it sort of turns out to be, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I feel like he, he respects them more than anyone else in the movie. <laughs> he doesn't, yeah, for sure. you know, he's not, sure. he doesn't help them, uh, based yeah. on, on his role and, and, and all that. But he's, um, yeah, I think he, I think he respects them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I have a question for you. Do you, do you see yourself as Thelma or Louise? <laughs> Who are, which one of us is Thelma? Which one My of us gosh, is between Louise? Between the two of us? <laughs> no. that's maybe that's not, maybe that's not, I, not a, fair, uh, a fair question. But do you identify more with one I, or another as you, yes, as you watch it? Yes, I identify more with Louise because I make plans. And I, you know, and I, I, I like to be in charge. Um, yeah. Yeah. But but I do love when oh god one of yeah one of the scenes that's just heartbreaking um, when Louise realizes that they've been robbed and goes into the room and that like that was her that money that six thousand dollars was her only chance to escape and and start over somewhere yeah. else and and make it right. out of this I just feel like it's the end of the cartoon and the and the black screen is taking over and there's just the I don't know what you call that. Um, and it's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And she's she's just done at that point and has no hope yeah. at all. Yeah. And that's when Thelma takes over and drags her out of the room and drives yes. and then yes. robs the store <laughs> in the style of Brad Pitt. <gasps> yes. Yes. <laughs> Which, yes. You know, did that make things better or not? Who, you know. Who knows? But what an opportunity for um, Thelma to demonstrate her, you know, fortitude. No, mm-hmm. but her confidence and mm-hmm. and where she's come, how far she's or you know right, how she's and changed, how, how, she's, how she can be a partner in a way that she has not been allowed right. to be in other partnerships. Mm-hmm. I think she had that in her the yeah, whole yeah, time. Yeah. Brad right, did, right. didn't bang that into her. 
Right. Although he tried. No, no. Louise had a lot more to do with that, I think. Mm -hmm. And as you say, then losing Louise, like, you know, not losing Louise, but like losing Louise's Mm -hmm. leadership in that moment gave her the space to Mm -hmm. step in there, which is – which she'd not had before that scene. I, I, I wanted to, to flag that scene too. It's uh, two, in two ways. So there's one of my favorite parts of the movie, this go around is that scene. So they park at the gas station and, and Thelma goes in and Louise sits in the car and it's just quiet. You know, it's a, it's a music going and it pushes in on her and she's looking in this window at this, these two, older women, not old, but older than she is, who are just staring Hmm. back at her. And they they look back at each other almost in slow motion, like there's no expression on their faces. And as that's happening, you see sort of the – what I see in that moment. I think the the moment is open to all kinds of interpretation because the the, the shots themselves aren't like – aren't giving you anything. You're – it's just these shots of these three women looking at one another. But I'm reading into this, all this stuff about – Susan Saran about Louise seeing what's available to her if she mm. stays, <laughs> you know, like what, what the, the, um, like she just has to go on. And what I love is that because in writing, we're always looking for an action to show what, how a character makes a decision or what they're feeling. Like, how can you put that stuff in action rather than just sort of, you know, having a character just sit there. So she sits and looks at her and then she gets out her lipstick and puts lipstick on in the rearview mirror in the sense of like, she's putting back on some kind of, like she's some sort of normalcy, some finding some sort of like indication that she is going to sort of get back in the, you know, behind the, in the driver's seat, which then she does right. <laughs> as Thelma comes running out, <laughs> having robbed, having robbed the store, thrilled that she's <laughs> done this thing. And I just, I, but that moment, there's that, that those little touches of um, giving the characters uh, the, the opportunity to absorb what's going on and, and have some sort of um, indistinct, almost abstract interaction that then, but that, that then you fill in with all of the things that you feel right. like they're feeling. I think is part of the sort of beauty of of as you said before the filmmaking in this that it's not just it's 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 all the elements combined, right? So it's happening in the script and how it's being shot. I agree. That's a, a poignant moment. I I just want to add that she goes to put the lipstick on, but she doesn't. She throws it out of the car. Oh. <laughs> Because first that's she right, throws right. out, so sorry. Yes, so yes, yes. Thelma right. puts a cigarette in her right. hand, and so right. she's sitting there, still a little bit, you know, I mean, still very shocked and right. shaken, and and so then she smokes for a second, and then throws it out, and then sees the ladies, and then, yeah, that that normal of, of oh, I, you know, I must look a mess. This is what I do. Right. What I'm supposed they, to do. Looking yeah, at me, yeah, I must yeah. look a mess. Right. Let me try to fix it, and then just like, no, that's not, that's not the right. <laughs> world that's I live right. in anymore. And I'm done with that. Right, right. Or that's right. done with me that's right, or that's some right. combination. Yeah. Or both. Right, right, right. But I've, I'm mm-hmm. leaving that behind. Yeah. I'm, ch- I'm no, chucking that it's now. Done. It's done, done. Yeah. There's there's so there's so many the, – the movie for me also hits so many different kind of – you know, there's funny – there's very, very funny parts. There's there's scary parts. There's these, these the, the, the assault itself, which we've touched on, that's, you know, viscerally – it's just it's it's they're di- things are difficult to watch, but that whole this whole like last third or half of the movie gets so melancholy, mm-hmm. and I I love that feeling. I don't love what it says about us or the <laughs> world the characters are living in or any of that stuff. But there is something um, so um, I don't know almost textural about how how melancholy the 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 sections of the of the movie are, um, and yet then spiked with moments of you know 
kind of elation and I, I don't know. I, I think the the tone is handled pretty masterfully, both from the sort of you know in terms of the writing and the acting and the um and the script. I just or sorry, writing the mm. acting and the directing. I just think those things are in such sync as the movie goes yeah, along. It's a if you haven't seen it, folks, it's worth a watch. <laughs> what we're what what we're saying is watch it's this pretty movie. good. It's a good movie. <laughs> um, did you did you have uh, wait? Sorry, we already talked about what we saw mm-hmm. this time that was different. Um, Are you Thelma or Louise? Yeah, I'm a Louise. Yeah, right. that's why we couldn't be the. Uh, we- uh, I like to think if I had to be one of the dudes, I'd be a Hal. I'd be a Harvick. I tell. Um, but um, yeah, no. If, of the two, I, I'm a planner, and the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm. Yeah, well, it works. It works better for us when there's more options, right? Like for Golden <laughs> Girls, yes, we're obviously Dorothy and Sophia. I'm right, Sophia, right? Uh, right. But <laughs> I'm. But for when there's just two, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't match up. What do you think of the ending? How does the ending, oh, no pun intended, land for you of this movie? I mean, it's uh, that's a good question. I have no, like you mentioned, you, you know, you knew the ending forever, right? Um, so mm-hmm. right, I knew it was inevitable. Um, in my head, do they, you know, land on a magical raft? Perhaps, um, <laughs> but. I think that they are, as characters, they are resourceful. They have agency. They um, made choices. Some of them were, you know, we could we could adjudicate their choices from our perspective all we wanted, but um, but based on what that world, what that universe was kind of giving them or, or offering them, I think they made the the choice that made the most sense to them. Is that an answer? I mean, it makes me, this makes me sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think think that, you know, Harvey Keitel was doing his best to show something that there was, there could be something that, you know, but, um, but they kind of knew better They're uh, especially earlier, early in the, in their running away, um, when Louise won't go to Texas. And at that time we, we don't really know why, but she says, um, you don't want to be in Texas when they find, find out you killed a man or something. And that was something mm-hmm. I had, I didn't say mm-hmm. that, but I had, um, said earlier in the film when they were first right after the the assault and the manslaughter that they were trying to figure out what to do and and i made the point of like yeah they don't know where they are they don't know what prosecutor has a particular interest in whatever i mean there are so many or or who's related to the dude or whatever yeah i think right in her reluctance to trust the system I mean, we find out later she's been mm-hmm. wronged, mm-hmm. you know, by the system. Uh, and, and so I, I understand that, um, that perspective. I, I don't, I don't know what choices I would make in their situation in 1991, but, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it, the, I, I, I think the universe of the film gave them 
very few options at that at that point, and that that was, um, yeah, that that was what they felt they had to do. What What do you think of the end? I could totally agree. I would only add that it's always surprised me that this mm. is the ending to this movie. I don't know that you could end the a movie of this scale, the scale this movie ended up being. It was a sixteen million dollar budget, which is today not a lot of money, but was a you know mid sized budget at the time, and it feels like a low to mid size, I guess, but like it's a lot of money. And the idea that it's going to end with them sailing off the cliff in a like, it, it, you know. I could, and I know there were there were suggestions from people along the way that they find another way to end this right. movie where they don't die, um, and I just think it's so it's so strong. I think it this is one of the most. I'm I'm speaking this from a point of view of having right. seen it first, <laughs> seen the ending first, but it's one of the best endings I think in American movie history. It's just seared into into my brain, and I it's I don't know how else you end this story. If you're, if there maybe there is a way, but any other way I could ever think of or that I've ever heard suggested, sort of gives the lie to everything, or or or, or invalidates so much that came before in, in terms of where these who these women are and who the what this world is that they live in. And I I think you have to end it this way. I'm so glad. Right. I'm not glad that that it ends this way, but it's it's very very appropriate and powerful given the theme and the story that 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 mm-hmm. is being told through the movie yeah. that this yeah. is how I it think, ends. Uh, brave and shocking but in a satisfying way mm-hmm. like like jumping yeah. in flathead like <laughs> well where our mother we should say has uh she has two kayaks oh my oh, gosh did we talk about no. the kayaks yet? Uh, how we would be remiss okay so speaking speaking like tell tell the story about the kayaks. Well, I think this the story I know of the kayaks is that um, Mama tried someone's kayak and uh, a casual kayak, if you will. Um, I don't know the exact, but Costco kayak, yeah. um, and just loved it and <laughs> and decided we needed some for our cabin at Flathead Lake, and um, so got two bright yellow uh, kayaks. And, um, you know, after Mm -hmm. a, a trip or two into the, into the sunset on the bay, um, she decided that they needed names. And so, uh, they, she named the kayaks Thelma and Louise and, and, and like Mm -hmm. labeled them. So they have, yeah, yeah, I put stickers, like five letters on the front of the Thelma and Louise, um, for the kayaking adventures, um, Yep. And then, and then we got a, uh, my godmother and I got a paddleboard and its name is Channing. So, you know, we just, we <laughs> like to name things. Uh, but yes, Thelma and Louise, uh, um, oh, you can find in Peaceful Bay, um, over the summer. Give us, give us a wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now through the sunset. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Tobin. Yes. Do you want to play a game? I do want to play okay. a game. Great. we've discussed this uh, movie has been influential in our lives um, <laughs> and in pop culture in in general most people have heard it referenced or right but whether they've seen it or not so tobin do you know your thelma and louise references <gasps> oh i'm boy. going to uh, so keep in mind i got this from the internet if it's wrong <laughs> 
that's not my fault. I the did internet my best. never lies, Aislinn. <laughs> the internet is always tells the truth. But sometimes it doesn't have all the information. So based on <laughs> my understanding today. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you, uh, it's called, did you catch that? The Thelma and Louise <laughs> reference game. Okay. I love it. I love it. Round one. There are two rounds. Round one okay. is I will give you a pair of television programs. Okay. And you will tell me which one had an homage whether it's Ooh. episode or, or storyline to Thelma and Louise. Okay. Okay. I love it. Okay. Are you ready? I am. First pairing. Cheers or Frasier? Oh, boy. Cheers or Frasier? I'm going to say <gasps> Cheers. You are correct. Oh, thank God. I thought maybe Frasier and Niles on a road trip would get oh, you. Oh, that'd be good, though. That would be good. <laughs> Although they're both uptight. <laughs> they have two reasons on a road trip. Yeah. That maybe the dad went along. Uh, but oh, that's why yeah. it was on or Cheers. It was, it was the four, um, kind of the four main bar patrons are on a road trip together. And they, oh, they funny, reference funny. Thumb the Louise. Okay. Friends or Seinfeld? Um, Seinfeld. Correct. <laughs> wow. That, and that's from having seen one episode of Seinfeld. It wasn't that episode. Wow. I, I, um, that's, that's yeah. good folks. With this, this is a auspicious beginning. <laughs> um, pairing number three. Uh, now we're getting into things that I have seen that I don't think you have. So good luck. Okay. <laughs> How I met your mother or personal favorite of mine. Happy endings. Oh, um, how I met your mother. You're right. You know, sweetness. <laughs> this is amazing. It feels like they would have something in common with, yeah. um, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> okay. For the undead, uh, version, Ooh. true blood versus vampire diaries. Vampire diaries. Correct. <laughs> and you haven't watched you've, you've watched not a frame of vampire diaries not not a frame but it feels like a show that would be a little more light on its feet to do an mm, homage okay, in a way okay. like a bottle episode joke homage thing sure. which i know true true uh, true blood true blood is that what's yeah. called? true blood i don't know that that show ever no, did but that. it's southern and there's convertibles and i thought it was a good one I'm, no, it could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, listen, I am guessing here. To be fair, this is me guessing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is me guessing well. The final pairing of round one, uh, the Netflix edition, <laughs> okay. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, or recently canceled Friends from College. Oh, I don't think this is right, but I'm hoping it is. So I'm going to say it. Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> Tina Fey Yay. is a big fan and referenced it in 30 Rock a couple of times, but then also um, it's referenced in, in Kimmy Schmidt as well. It makes, I've only seen, I've not, I'm not seen all of Kimmy Schmidt, but what I have seen that yeah. I, I, I feel, yeah, that. I feel absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Tobin, you swept round one. Oh man, this is getting, <laughs> I can no longer claim not to win any no, of these games. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, because you did so well, I think it's important we go on to round two. For sure. This is a little tougher. Okay. I'm going to name 10 films. Seven of them <laughs> reference Thelma and Louise. Oh, wow. Three of them I have just added erroneously. 
Okay. <laughs> I will name all 10. You tell me which three did not have a Thelma and Louise reference. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. I'm going to give you the, the title and the year. Okay. So, number one, film we saw recently, Wayne's World, 1992. Naked Gun, 33 and a Third, The Final Insult, <laughs> 1994. The Long Kiss Goodnight, 1996. G.I. Jane, 1997. The Big Lebowski, 1998. Beautiful Creatures, the year 2000. <gasps> wow. Scary Movie, the year 2000. Spy Kids, 2001. Bridget Jones Diary, 2001. Fifty First Dates, 2004. Oh, boy. Can you tell me again what the one you said after G.I. Jane? The Big Lebowski. And what was the one after that? Beautiful Creatures. Okay. Um... I've been writing these down as you said them, so I'm going to make my guess. Here, here, here are the three that I think did not have some kind of homage, some kind of reference mm-hmm. to Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest it's Naked Gun, 33 and a third, G.I. Jane and the Big Lebowski. You got one out of three correct. Oh, was it G.I. Jane? Um, It's like, remember that little board game, not a board game, but with the the pegs if you will um and you made a pattern and the other person had to guess and you could say like right color wrong place or right you remember that like mind minecraft no. mind game oh yes 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 mind uh-huh. sweep uh-huh. Okay. yeah um, yeah i don't so, remember what it's called uh, yeah you got one point on that okay <laughs> the three of, of those 10 films the three that according to the internet do not have some of these references, references are wayne's yeah. world Oh. Wayne's World 2 does, but Wayne's World might have been in production. <laughs> okay. Big Lebowski, so that's your point. Okay. I put okay. that one in myself. And then 50 First Dates, I put in myself. Oh, and I th- and I started to head that direction that I didn't go all the way. Um, Daddy's Home, Daddy's Home, Big Daddy, Daddy Time, whatever the, <laughs> whatever the Adam Sandler <laughs> Daddy movie. That's the trilogy, I think. That's the trilogy. That's- I've seen that box set at, at Target. <laughs> That's the one that had it. So you swept that first round and you got one out of three, which is still impressive to me. Well, I'll give myself one day for that. For that, good work, Tobin. Yeah. But long story short, this film um, is referenced a lot. Uh, sometimes well, sometimes not. <laughs> but it, Ooh, you're rhyming. You're going to rhyme the rest no, of this episode. No, I'm too tired. <laughs> but I, you know, Thelma and Louise means something to a lot of people. Just even that phrase. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and the reason I came up with this game was that there's a line in Rent. Uh, about Thelma and Louise, and that was running through my head all day. So, mm, yeah. as usual, yeah, I like the story behind the game too. Rent yeah. is the inspiration for things in my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of the nineties, <laughs> I love it. All right, now we've come to the time in our podcast where we decide if this movie is progressive or regressive. Is this a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Island, what say you? I say that if I'm going to be very, very picky, as I am as a human, there are certainly things that I would do differently or ways that I would approach, particularly um, the sexual violence 
in this movie. However, um, that uh, it was written <laughs> when it was written and successfully made, I think is huge. Um, uh, that, that Susan Sarandon at 45 and Gina Davis at 35 starred in this movie and carried the entire thing. I don't think either of those ages is old just for the record, but for Hollywood, Hollywood does. Yeah. Right. Um, right now, what, what would it be? You know, um, uh, Selena Gomez like who would, and who, who would be in the movie. Yeah. I mean, um, Amber Heard and Selena Amy Gomez Adams and, yeah. and Margot Robbie. Oh, there you go. That's, I like that one too. Amy Adams do it. Can I just say, <laughs> No, I'm saying that would be good. That would be good. Would be mine good. was a yeah. mine was a fluffy one. Yours was a solid one. <laughs> I hope that's the sound by someone <laughs> uses in the future. Yes. Um, but so yes, that these um, are female characters that have complexity that uh, make uh, you know good choices and poor choices and um, trust each other and see each other as as full humans and that at least Harvey Keitel <laughs> sees them that way as well. Um, I was. Uh, relieved and impressed upon this watching of how the universe of the movie treated them. And um, in a lot of ways it holds up again, if I'm going to be super picky um, there are things that could, that could be another podcast, but um, (laughs) on the whole, I think absolutely. And if you take it from the perspective of how many times other pop culture has referenced it or how, we are still talking about it or how you can go to Google scholar and look up Thelma and Louise. And there are a number of scholarly papers and articles mm-hmm. um, uh, about, about Thelma and Louise and, and, and what it did and what it's, you know, how it fits in the canon and all that. I think absolutely this, um, this was a step forward and I'm, I'm glad it's here. Tobin. Wow. The only thing I can add is something that I, because of what you, what you said was, that was brilliantly said. Thank you. I would add only that something I sort of didn't talk enough about in the main part of the show, which is that these two central performances are spectacular. These, these women are finding everything in these characters and sort of mining these scenes for um, all kinds of, of nuance and emotion, unexpected emotional responses to things. And um, uh, you come to, I come to care so much about the characters. It's not only the script as you're, and the characters that you, that you're describing. It is that, but it's also the way that they're played by these two actors. And I just think it's, you know, um, to, to have a record of this, of these two performances in this way, um, is, is spectacular. And for, for that reason, whatever other misgivings we may have, I, I have to definitely come down on the progressive side, I think, but between for, for all those factors. So yes, I, I agree. Island, what are we going to see next? Next up, speaking of crime, uh, <laughs> and, and ladies, uh, doing it on their own. Um, next up, we have 1980s, nine to five. Yay. Uh, <laughs> coming in two weeks on March 19th. So stay I have tuned. not seen, I've not seen this one in so long, but we're this sort of back to back mama favorite movies. Yeah, uh, this is mama's podcast. <laughs> um, Tobin, uh, where can people find you if you're interested in that sort of thing? Come find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington. Great. Aislinn, where can people find you? And do you have a new show? I do. Oh, really? If you haven't gotten enough of me today, um, 
hop on over to a new podcast called Why Aren't We All? Uh, It's also on the Cage Club Podcast Network. Very excited about that. It's a short series of conversations with people who, in my opinion, have something figured out, um, something that helps them get through the day. And um, I'm interested in, in what that is and how it might help me or everyone if we all jumped on board. So our first episode drops Friday, March 1st. Um, there'll be one a month for um, six months or so. And the first episode is Why Aren't We All Vegan? Hmm. So um, check us out at, like I said, at Cage Club. Um, we are wherever you get your podcasts. And um, we have a Twitter because I was so good at one Twitter, Tobin. Yeah. Why not have two? Um, so one just isn't enough, is it? W-A-W-A for why aren't we all underscore pod. Um, I'm still around at Sassy Nerd MT. And while we're giving out contact information, I wanted to take a second, if you will allow me. Um, this film, as we've discussed, uh, has violence in it, has sexual violence in it. And I want to make sure that our listeners are taking care of themselves. So um, if our conversation has um, brought up any feelings or thoughts, there are places um, that uh, where you can live chat or talk to someone about those feelings at any time. So I, I would direct you to rain that's R-A-I-N-N dot org. Um, from there, you can um, find a, a 24-hour hotline. I'll give you that number. It's 800-656-4673. There's also on that um, main page a little uh, find help near you uh, where you can put in your zip code or your state and find uh help closer to you. But um, the 1-800 number is open all the time and um, folks would be happy to um, talk through things and direct you to other places that could be helpful and supportive. So take care of yourselves and come back and find us in two weeks. And you can find us (laughs) if you're looking for the both of us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Uh, special thanks to our members who have joined at the marquee level or above, Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington. And we have a special announcement. I'm getting, I'm, do, I'm getting do. a wire. It's like, it's like I'm in broadcast <laughs> news. <laughs> special announcement. Um, our first voting member poll is complete. We asked what Sofia Coppola movie should we watch? And, um, our millions of fans and listeners <laughs> let us know that what we will be watching is lost in translation. And that episode That's will right. drop April 16th. I have not seen that since I saw it once in the theater. Yeah. It's been a while. I, folks. My, my, I've seen that I think five times and I've had very different opinions so on at least three of those times. So I am very curious to see. It was by far the biggest vote getter in our um, members only poll yeah if if uh, any of you out there would like to vote in our upcoming or future uh, members only polls uh, please join the voting member above on patreon and you you too could have a voice in what uh, what we watch now Um, if i join can i vote just so i don't get screwed with the babadook again (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I think that's only fair. Oh, if you, you if you join at the anyone who joins at the voting member level or above has the opportunity to uh, cast a ballot. Excellent to know. Thank you. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at Cage Club Pod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am Tobin Addington. And I am Islan Addington. And we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Contenders.